Hello and welcome to episode 262 of the Random Town Podcast. I am Jason. I'm Angel. I am Kevin. And uh, actually, you know, Kevin, it was only an episode or two ago that you were asking how early we've ever rec- – what the earth we've ever recorded is. I think this takes the cake. I think this Not is the episode. It, it's early. It's a brisk 7 a.m. Pacific Daylight Savings Time right now. And yeah, it's, it's, it's early. You guys, you guys awake? You guys ready? What fine energy drink is sponsoring your uh, morning this time, Kevin? Uh, Rockstar Pure Zero Fruit Punch, 240 milligrams of caffeine with zero sugar, B vitamins, taurine, uh, zero sugar again, as per the can. Uh, there's a word on here that I've never seen in my entire life. Every vitriol, two grams of that. You know, it's it's whenever I decide to put something in my body, I make sure it definitely is a foreign word I don't know the meaning of. And I say that as a joke, but also I'm dead serious because everything we consume has words we've never heard of in it these days. So, <laughs> well, enjoy your Rockstar Zero Energy Fruit Punch, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's an early show, but we've still got a pretty big episode full of uh, small things. I, I have impressions of where we're getting together. It's demo and it's micro games. Uh, Angel's been checking out a management game of sorts called Conduct Together. Kevin's been playing a sort of similar game with a small name right in the word, um, Mini Metro. So because of all that, we're calling this episode Micromanagement. Uh, but kind of unintentionally, the the mini continues into the news. We also have a bunch of uh, bite-sized news to discuss in this episode, too, from the likes of Gamescom to uh, last week's Pokemon Presents. So uh, there are timestamps at Rantown.com for those who are interested. Uh, or if you're on YouTube... The rendered video, but if you're at Rantown.com, just click on the blog post for this episode. Um, but starting us off bright and early, uh, we've got one of our probably fullest what we've played segments in a while, actually, I'd say. Um, all three of us have a game, two of which uh, have been on the eShop for a little while now, a year or two, but, but one of which is on the cusp of releasing. So if there's no objections, I kind of want to start with the upcoming one, where we're getting together. That cool with you guys? Fine with me. Okay, has anyone actually time. has anyone has anyone else tried the demo or was it just me? Uh no. I I, I didn't try the demo. I mean I am very tempted to try the game, but it also feels like the kind of game that mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I mean it seems so simplistic. I just I'd rather just wait for it to come out. Yeah, WarioWare is admittedly I mean, kind like of. Like you said, it's on the cusp of coming out. It's almost like eh, man. Yeah, and it's it, it's kind of a weird game to demo, right? Because you you don't want to necessarily spoil the micro games, but the core gameplay has always been so straightforward that like, what are you doing except spoiling some of the micro games with a demo? Like, you know, it's so to the point. But the the reason I was interested in trying to get it together specifically is because um, while I you know, I'm always excited for more WarioWare, especially after so long. This is also the one that seems to shake up the franchise's gameplay in the biggest of ways. Like, you know, up to this point, each new WarioWare has always been built around a direct hardware input, motion, or touch, or gyro, or I guess face buttons. Um, and then you, the player, you're directly in effect, you're directly affecting the micro games with that physical action. Like, we kind of talked about that, about this in our E3 episode, right? Like, how the quote unquote gimmick uh, here amounts to the fact that you actually aren't directly interacting with the micro game. You're controlling a character who does. And these characters can engage every which way on the screen. Uh, you know, you can move them around almost like a cursor. It makes it feel like basically the input isn't face buttons or touch or whatever. It's a mouse pointer. 
you know, mouse pointer with different abilities, but nonetheless kind of a mouse pointer. And that, uh, well, I wouldn't cause, cause exactly a concern, uh, that did raise some questions, not just for me, but I think a lot of folks. Um, you know, if you're moving around a cursor, is there variety in that? Can skinning it with different characters make a difference? Or are you just kind of making these sweeping motions and boom, micro game one? Uh, so fortunately, the surprise demo popped up to provide an answer, and that's why I wanted to check it out. And at least in the limited scope of the demo, the answer does appear to be that, yes, there's variety, and not just kind of like, yes, there's some variety, but there's like a pretty resounding yes. There's a lot of variety. So the way it works here in the demo, and presumably in the final game, is that you start um, you start with just Wario at your disposal. Uh, his move is he can basically bonk into things with a side dash, actually kind of like his Wario, where, uh, I mean, Wario Land games. And uh, I'm sure that's a nod. But um, anyway, whether that means, you know, you're bonking to the arms of a windmill to spin it or hypnotist's, like, pocket watch to sway it or knocking object off a suspended play, you're, you're just bonking things through the usual assortment of warrior randomness. But as you complete these microgame challenge sets, uh, you begin to unlock other characters with their own abilities. There's, like, a teen volt who actually can't move freely but instead has an aiming line you can line up with an object you want to interact with and then shoot at that object or there's mona who is kind of the opposite where she is constantly moving except when you use her boomerang at which point that's moving and she stays stationary so ultimately you know the entire cast of warrior is playable but in the demo there's a handful with a bit of different variety and uh when you when you go into any of the micro game challenges um but you know like in past games or basically a high score attack where you have five seconds back to back to figure out each micro game um as you go into those you get to choose at the start of each challenge which three characters you'd like to use um the game will then shuffle between them so you don't you never quite know which character you're going to be performing the micro game with at any given moment and if anything as weird as it may sound it kind of feels like a natural evolution or maybe even a direct sequel to how WarioWare Smooth Moves did its motion poses, if you remember those. Because you you may remember back then their um, – you know, how it would work is they added an extra beat between each micro game that had you hold the Wii remote in a certain pose. So you need to not just figure out what to do in the micro game when it popped up with its, you know, five-second time limit, but also how to use your body in a particular way to achieve that goal. Like there's the mohawk pose where you hold the Wii remote on your head, or there's that waist side one for spinning the hula hoop. And the best analogy I can come up with for describing how Get Together feels is to imagine if when playing smooth moves, the poses weren't married to the mini game. Like what if any, or, or I guess micro game, like what if, every micro game would be solved using any of the Wii Remote poses. Like they may have you do, you know, hold the Wii Remote like a baton and punch up to hit a question mark block from Mario. But what if instead they also are like, oh, put the mohawk on your head and they have to jump your whole body up to complete the micro game. Like the goal's the same, but the way you get to it can vary. And that in a nutshell is kind of what Get Together is doing with its character abilities. You're not just, you know, on the fly determining the action needed per micro game. You're also needing to determine how to achieve that action using one of these multiple character abilities. And where it gets the most insane and the most varied and where I think it's the most fun is that you can actually choose an all option once you unlocked all the characters. So that puts the entire cast essentially on shuffle instead of just three. And one, that feels the most like smooth moves for sure because uh, you don't really know what's going to throw at you and you're kind of like kept on your toes, but also it just makes it like really fun. Like I love it personally. It, it creates what amounts like a second layer of depth for every micro game, not just in terms of how you interpret what to do, but literally in how some of the games are actually designed. 
like with 18 volt, for example, um, you know, and his weird aiming reticle thing. Uh, there's a micro game where all you're told to do is escape and you need to figure out a way to get to a helicopter that's at the top of a little like 2D side scroller maze thing. And for characters like Wario or Mona, it's just a matter of moving them up there. But for 18 volt, the micro game actually has to add rings on a track and you aim the cursor at the ring, hit A, and then 18 volt is kind of like hoisted to the chopper. So it's the same micro game in concept, but literally the execution and how it's presented does vary which is, you know, a step further than just um, the usual it's getting faster kind of tweaks that Morrowind's had in the past with his micro games. So um, it's probably it's probably one of the things that I'm most excited about with the new WarioWare. Like they, you know, because they already promised the usual 200 new micro games, the usual multiplayer side modes that have been there since like the GameCube one are there. Uh, there's new stuff that they announced, like there's something called the Wario Cup where every week there's going to be an online leaderboard with a set rotating... Uh, set, I guess, of micro games and, you know, you can compete online to see what your score is. But the fact that, like, each micro game now has two, three, maybe four varieties beyond just that it's getting faster tweak, like, that's a cool concept. So that that's exciting. It, well, it's cool on paper, at least, I should say. Because what, what I could not glean from the demo, and what I guess kind of remains to be seen, is, uh, like, the demo's 15 micro games. And a you know, it's just a handful of characters. So you kind of get an idea of how it works, but how far can this idea be carried? Like, even in the demo, there are a couple cracks beginning to show. Like, if you're playing as Cat or Anna, whichever it is, one of the one of the two sisters, um, their ability isn't as solid as something like 18 volts grapple or, or you know, Mona's boomerang or or or, or, or beyond or whatever his name is, kind of having free-floating uh, grapple... Um, magnet grapple thing but um like theirs isn't as great because you're just constantly jumping and can only face right it's either cat or anna one face is right one face is left but they can only face one direction so while you know so while the little voice in the back of my head i guess from when it was first announced um about is there enough variety that's been quieted but now there's this other little thought a little less of a thought but there's other little thought of like not every character created equal which sure you cannot select them and that's fine you only need three but it may put a damper on how much i'm loving the all character shuffle that's in the demo um so that remains to be seen i also didn't get a chance to properly try the co-op mode um it is in the demo but it's something i think i'll have to wait for the full game to really experience but i will say you know browsing the full character selection like the list online um it does seem like co-op will have the advantage of some characters seem particularly well made for it are there Uh, any hidden characters or anything uh, well, I probably, I don't know, the demo's only like eight, <laughs> but, or six. Oh, but no, yeah, well, it's because you said, um, the characters that, that, oh, I just meant the, the ones that are announced. Screen online? Oh, yeah, the okay, ones that are announced. Right. I thought it was um, kind of like, oh, you know, like, in typical oh, no, no, Nintendo no, 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 fashion, no. they're like, here's everything in the game now. Instead of I'll be shocked characters. if the little Poyo Poyo guy with the tongue doesn't become a playable character. Like, he's not on the list, oh, but yeah. I'm sure he's gonna show up. He, he has a cameo in, like, the beginning of the game. Like, the whole premise of the game is actually straight up Space Jam 2. Wario and his crew get sucked into the game and have to play the micro games to get back out. And it starts with, you know, them seeing that Poyo guy having a super successful game and Wario being like, no, we need to, like, top him and, like, over, you know, working the team and making, like, this thing that then has a mind of its own and eats them alive. But what I was going to say is um, some of the characters I did see do seem more catered to co-op. Uh, Dribble and Spitz are these little, like, bullet hell style shooter ship things with their little cabs and those seem like they pair together well in co-op uh so there may be ways in co-op that even if you know 
some characters seem like it just kind of you just push things aside um there may be ways for variety in co-op that's different than single player just based on character selection so that that could be interesting but really as it stands at this point the demo confirmed to me that for the most part uh get together is in fact going to be a fun game that's going in an exciting direction that actually works and it uh it you know it's out september 10th i'm sure in one of our episodes after that we're going to dive deeper into how how it feels in terms of variety modes extras you know how does that hold up as a full-fledged game but it's really looking promising at the moment um so any concerns people had you know after e3 where it it was a different approach it, it works it works and it still feels like warrior it still has the personality and it's cool to see everything in 3d now um and hd so yeah it, it I'm, I'm happy with the demo it's a long way to go to say it's good Cool, cool. <laughs> there's something there that did get me a little worried, which is that uh, some characters will be like a little bit more optimized for runs. But mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that translates to the final game. I guess. Yeah, I mean, like already, like that's kind of the crack I, I, that was showing that I was saying, right? Like there are some characters that definitely seem like they're kind of just like, well, let's just make it harder by making them auto jump or whatever. But yeah, I think there will for sure be. Uh, this is so weird to say. There's going to be a meta to WarioWare. There's definitely going to be characters that are better, that are worse, that you need to use to do the online Wario Cups. Like, it's, it's definitely going to shake out that way. It's just to what extent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, hey, like, if, you know, if ultimately it turns out that the best input for this WarioWare ends up being... It's not, but hypothetically, if it's 18-volt and his little grapple shoot thing... Okay, so the input for this WarioWare is a guy that has a little grapple shoot thing, and that's the mechanic. Like, that's not that far removed from what WarioWare was. I think it would only be bad if it was just someone who you can just, like, brush things off the screen with, like WarioWare's side uh, dash. Like, if that was the pinnacle of the game, okay. But if it's one that has a little more to it, that doesn't at least bother me personally. But I guess time will tell, to your point. Um, but yeah, so that's why we're that. That's the only thing that's when's uh, the release? Uh, September tenth, so very soon. Wow. Um, but that's the only thing that's like upcoming. But you guys have been playing stuff that's out, so I don't know who wants to go first. But up to you guys. We have two games Angel, that are kind of similar. <laughs> me, you. What if we talk about our games at the same time? Ooh, yes, yes. Three, uh, like alternating sentences two. or like speaking simultaneously? Uh, speaking simultaneously. Then oh, you, man. listener, you can just focus on one of our voices to see which one you'd rather hear. We'll, we'll, release, works, the stems. Right? we'll release the stems for this episode and people can, can remix it to only hear the tracks they want to hear of your two impressions. You know, Sony uh, released back when they were really into like 3D gaming, they released a monitor where... um. Each player, so like if if you're playing uh, like split screen, you would have a pair of glasses that would make it so that you would only see like your own. It, it, it was to curb. Uh, oh, I called? remember that. Yeah, uh, to to stop cheating, screen peeking. Uh, yeah, screen cheating. Yeah, there we go. That it'll be exactly that, but uh, just with our voices instead. Or or Kevin, when you when you edit this, if you want to mix it, you could put one of you in one ear and one of you in the other. Ooh, yeah, and, yeah, that would work. Yeah, and then you know when if and then maybe all three of us talk at once about Pokemon, and then we use spatial audio 
And I can, one of us can be above the person, to the left, behind, to the right, up front. <laughs> it will be ridiculous. Yeah, we can do that too. Yeah, oh, this man. is genius. This is the type of stuff that being half awake at 7 a.m. inspires, I guess. <laughs> but, um, in um, that case, I, I guess I'll just go first. All right, so Mini Metro, right? Yeah, so Mini Metro, what to say about this game? Aside from this game has actually been out forever. It's been out since like 2015 on Windows came to like Android in 2016 came around to switch in 2018 um so oh and just like disclaimer I have not been playing this on switch I have been playing it on the PC but it's essentially the same game there's there's gonna be absolutely no difference between on what platform you play this game um but mini Metro I've actually been playing the sequel to this game a whole lot to the point of obsession. And the sequel is called Mini Motorways, and it was on the Apple, it was an Apple Arcade exclusive up until about a month and a half ago, and that's now on Steam, and according to the devs, it will be out on Switch early next year, but man, I, I wish it was on Steam already, it was on Steam, it was on the Switch already, because, like, um, it's like a perfect little mobile game that that the Steam would definitely benefit from. But as far as Mini Metro goes, it's just not doing it for me. Even if it were on Switch, that there's like no bump that it would have helped uh, critically in my mind. Um, it's a it's a puzzle slash simulation game where you are creating the transit network of different in real life cities. So the very first city that you play is London, um, and the the game starts out easy enough. Each at the beginning. Well, especially for the for the London level, you have three stations, and each station is denoted by a shape. So the most basic stations that you'll have to connect right at the beginning are like a square station, a circle station, and a triangle station. Uh, and you're just clicking on each of them, dragging over to the next station, and dragging to another station, and that will create, you know, a line. And then that just means that there will be a, a subway that or a train whatever you want to call it that will then just automatically run through that line uh you're, you're not actually controlling the trains and so passengers will then show up at these stations and passengers are also denoted by like those exact same shapes so a square passenger will have to be dropped off at a square station circle passenger will have to be dropped off at a circle station and so on and as time progresses more stations will start popping up randomly on the map and you basically have to choose whether you want to create a new subway line, assuming you have the resources to create a new subway line, or if you want to extend an existing line that you already have. Um, there's a clock on the top right of the screen that notes the day of the week. And at the end of the week, you'll be giving an upgrade that you choose from. Uh, usually you will get like an extra, extra train. But then you'll get other options such as the ability to like make an extra line or the ability to make a tunnel that will go through like river channels, a faster train, a bigger train, that kind of thing. And like at the beginning of each run, these railways are pretty easy to manage. But, you know, the longer you go, the more complex they become and the harder they become to manage and the more passengers that you'll have to get to their desired stations. And this is like a score-based game, so there are high scores, there are leaderboards, that kind of thing. That's where the replay value really comes in. 
on like the presentation side, it has this incredibly minimalistic look that's supposed to invoke the look of like transit maps. Um, the backgrounds are, they like look very boring and they're just like a stark white, but they're contrasted against the lines that you create, which are these like incredibly bright colored, um, whatever you would find on a map, your red line, your group, your green line, your blue line. The music is also like very minimalistic and you get little sound cues when a new station pops up or when like you plop a second train to a line and, uh, the, the, the music as minimalistic as it is, it's, is really, really fun to hear. What's that word that I'm looking for? It's very, uh, I don't want to say generally like, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Uh, crap. I can't think of the word. The music, the music is great. Um, when it comes to the actual gameplay, it's, it's not that I have an issue with the gameplay in like all honesty. It's just that I'm too stupid to manage even two or three lines efficiently. <laughs> it's too much information for my idiot to take. Like, especially because you have to worry like towards after about like two or three weeks, you start to have to worry about transferring passengers across multiple lines once you get pretty deep into a run. And then, like, I'm not certain when passengers will be dropped off at a station that's on a line that will eventually get them to the right destination. I just never make it far into a game because I, I become too frustrated. I just recently finally hit over a thousand points on the very first map, and that's usually what I like to do. I like to get to a thousand and move on to the next one. But it took me, I don't know, I've been playing this game for about three weeks now, and it took me three weeks to finally get over a thousand points. And yeah, there's like different strategies that you can try. You are allowed to like erase an entire line that way you can, you know, fix it up a little bit. But by then you're still backed up with passengers. Every now and then a special shape will like a special station will show up. That's like a star station. And then it's like, great. I have this entire map that I have to look at now. And I have to make sure that I have like some sort of central station that will eventually connect to the star station uh i don't know man i just never make it far into a game because i become too frustrated there is an element of rng um to this game but like i, I don't know the, is, the rng is, there is fine. a lot of like i have to imagine as you build out your map there's gotta be a lot of there's like panning and zooming going on oh yeah, yeah yeah the yeah. the 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 more stations that that happen, the the more that the map zooms out. I see, I see. So what? Uh, yeah. So what is it? Because you're saying you like the sequel, which is, admittedly isn't on Switch, but you're saying you like the sequel more. So do they? Is it less going on at once? Like, what is it about the sequel that clicked that didn't with that? Since it's not like it's the management part that you're tripping up on a little. Uh, it, it's much easier to track um, mm, okay. what exactly has to happen in that. And eventually, I'll, I will get around to talking about mini motorways whenever it does release on Switch. Um, but that one's definitely much, much easier to track what has to happen in that game. It's, it's not as complicated. And that game, I'm, I'm hitting higher scores into well into like the 1800s and 1900s, then that kind of stuff. So that's fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I don't know that 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 game has you know that similar gameplay loop, but instead of a transit way, the game is called mini motorways. You're mapping out roads, and like once the tutorial in that game was over, I knew what to do. As opposed to like mini metro where I just scratch my head in confusion because I must have done the tutorial a good handful of times and it still didn't click with me. It's mm. just this unfortunate case where I've played the sequel, which I find much more fun to play. That whenever I play Mini Metro, I just think to myself, I could just be playing Mini Metro Elites instead. Right. Um, yeah, it, it, it's admittedly like I've looked at Mini Metro because I love the look of the game. Like you're saying, you know, the kind of mirroring subway maps and yeah, and the like colors and the men. Got a T-shirt. What? Yeah, I did. Well, no, it's not a T-shirt based on, but I do have a shirt that actually is of a New York City uh, subway map, like really minimalist design. That is basically the game, but monochrome. Um, but yeah, and I keep looking at like this would be fun. But then what you're saying about getting kind of overrun by it, I keep having that thought like, oh, it's gonna be fun for like two minutes, and I'm gonna be like, ah, too much. So I, I do kind of relate to what you're saying. Yeah, and then mini motor, like I said, mini motorways is definitely. It's much easier to to get a grasp of what's going on in, in that game, and there are some there are there is one aspect of that game that I still don't understand. Like there are traffic lights, which I don't know is kind of counterproductive to that game to like the the object of that game. But uh, while in in Mini Metro, everything feels like uh, it's going to help you, whether it's a faster train, a bigger train, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, it just doesn't click with me the same way that Mini Motorways did. And, like, this game's critically acclaimed. Like, it's insane the amount of people that love this game. But, I don't know. It, it's a good game. It just, like I said, it just does not click with me at all. Right, right. Yeah, and there's always games like that, right? Like, it's not like every game's gonna resonate with every person. Right. But the fact that you gave it a shot for three weeks is commendable, given that it's not clicking. Yeah, like I said, I I used to get like in the four hundreds. I finally hit a thousand. I'm like, okay, I can try to to keep going, but it just becomes that thing where it's just a lot of information on the screen, and then I just get bored. And I'm like, I'm not even gonna finish this run. I'm just gonna quit. Like, I'm not gonna wait until I quote unquote get the game over screen. Right. I was gonna say die, but like, you don't die in this game. You just gridlock an entire city. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's a uh, mini motorways. Mini, that's mini metro. I yeah, mini see. I got mini way. motorways on. <laughs> I got mini motorways on the on the brain. Yeah, um, Angel, you're also trains. You personally are also trains, right? You're made of trains. Yeah, based on the description Kevin gave, the game is similar-ish. <laughs> I guess I don't want to say like, oh, if you like this one, then you like the other one. Because first, I don't know. I haven't played a mini motorways, but this one, um. Uh, I am enjoying it. definitely doesn't sound as complicated, although that's probably not the best term for it because both games seem like kind of on the somewhat simplistic side. But in Conduct Together, the idea is that you're essentially switching trains between tracks so they don't crash. That's like all you're really doing. Um, it starts off pretty simple. You have one train, one track, and at one at some point on the track... Um, it crosses through like a street where there's traffic. So you have to essentially use either any of the directional buttons, you know, up, down, left, right on the D-pad to tell the train when it gets to an intersection to either go left or right or up or down so that it avoids traffic. You can also completely stop the train 
and you can also slow down time temporarily whenever your meter is full. And slowing down the time, all that does is just give you more time to think. Because eventually you're going to be managing multiple trains at once. And in order to beat a level, you have to transport a certain number of people from one station to the other. When you pick up red people, well, people wearing red shirts, at one station, you then have to take them to the red station. Or if it's blue for blue, yellow for yellow, white for white. And it can get kind of hectic at times. Um, and, I mean, obviously that's a good thing because that's just when this difficulty goes up. Sometimes they introduce these tunnels that they don't allow you to see exactly what's going on. So if you see a car go through the tunnel, um, then you're more than likely going to have to wait a little longer than usual. Because you don't want to risk crashing into it. Because there's literally nothing you can see. And once the train is inside a tunnel, you also can't stop it. It's almost like you're losing connection or something. But, yeah, like the game... <laughs> it's kind of funny because that's kind of like all there really is to say about it as far as just like its mechanics. But, I don't know, it's simple fun. It definitely feels like an iOS game kind of put on a computer. Just because every, you know... If you're controlling more than one train, each train is designated a certain button. Um, the tracks are laid out. Um, kind of, I mean, usually the conjunction, yeah, the junction areas are spread enough that it isn't confusing. Yeah, confusing. They label, I guess, which button will do, will interact with each. They label what button will interact with each, I guess, fork and you don't have a cursor, so it's not like you're manually picking which one you want to change, which is good because, you know, when it gets really hectic, you want to be able to change it instantly. But you also have the option to use touch, and I played it both ways. I played it on the TV, I played it just using the touchscreen. And using the touchscreen sometimes just feels more intuitive because, you know, you want your train to stop, you just tap it. You want a specific railway to switch directions, you just tap it. Like, everything is so simple, just tap it. But there are certain actions like, you know, using the slow-mo that just kind of feel better on the controller. So I still haven't quite decided which one I will ultimately end up using. But, as the name implies, you can also do this with someone else to kind of divvy up the conducting actions. And, or, you know, you could kind of be a little crazy and just use two Joy-Cons separately if you want, like, some extra challenge. But... I mean, I don't remember exactly how much it cost, but well, we we I both mean, you... bought it at like a crazy discount. It was like a dollar. Yeah, because because that's it's been sitting like on my Switch for yeah. Oh, you're right. I think it was a dollar for us. But but here um, um, may... here's my question. It was a dollar for us. You said it was kind of an iOS game. I haven't tried it yet because it's a buck and it's been sitting on my Switch. Um, I looked it up last night when I was putting the notes together. It's twenty dollars <laughs> normally. Well, considering you said it kind of feels like an iOS game. And it's not a knock against, you know, the time and energy and money put into iOS games, but just like the, the marketplace of iOS games. Um, is 20 too much? The right amount? Damn. I mean, obviously I didn't play through the whole game, but like just based on like the map. Because essentially like, you know, you go level to level. Each level you can earn up to three stars depending on how quickly you finish it. And, I mean, if you crash, you instantly lose, so you have to start over. So, like, it seems like there's a bunch of levels in this game. But, damn, I mean, $20? Uh, 
for one dollar i mean it's like a no-brainer i mean we bought it with i guess what i imagine was like not a ton of real interest outside of the fact that it was a buck and visually i mean it's visually appealing it's very simplistic it's not quite as minimalistic as mini metro but um it's kind of like that other game that i talked about like um, the mountain downhill game but very polygonal very simple polygons i mean the people that you pick up are literally like upside down triangles with little tiny spheres for heads um but it sounds like you're very gently saying don't spend 20 (laughs) dollars No, like, I don't know. I mean, because it could be worth it. Like, I just don't know exactly how many levels there are in the mm. game. But at the same time, outside of it just getting more and more hectic, it's like, I don't know how many people will, you know, kind of get over the mechanic long enough to maybe get to the end or maybe satisfied. Because, I mean, it is just, at the end of the day, it's a puzzle game. So, I mean, if it clicks with you, then I'm sure the $20 will be worth it. But... If you're just like, yeah, this is fun. It's okay. Like, I don't know. Like, I think it's definitely worth more than a dollar for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's almost at that weird cut. Like, if it was 15 I almost feel like it'd be much easier. I recommend at that price. But for 20 I almost want to say, um, check out some videos. As I say, as, as point of reference, Mini Metro you. is 10 on the Switch. Yeah. Like, I almost want to say, yeah, just check out some videos, and if what I said, like, maybe sounds like it might be up your alley, then you're probably good getting it, but if you're on the fence, yeah, just wait for, like, a discount. I mean, it seems like the eShop is constantly going through discounts, but Mm -hmm. there's also so many games in it now that by the time it gets to me, like, conduct together again, who knows when that will be. I don't know, watch it already be on sale, who knows. And, uh, and to yeah, be I fair, the, the reason we fell into Conduct Together was a friend recommended it uh, when it was on sale for a dollar. So it's one of those things I don't think e- we even two years ago, three years ago when it came out and the eShop had, you know, hundreds, not thousands of games or thousands, not tens of thousands. Uh, even then, like it was good. It's one of those things that could easily get buried unless you hear from someone that's worth the buck or the five or the ten or whatever discount it is, you know. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty much Conduct Together. Fun, simple game. <laughs> Debatable whether it's for 20 bucks, but... Yeah. Not much else to say about it. Well then, keeping the uh, mini train going here... Uh, both... Yeah, no, pun absolutely intended there. Keeping the mini train going here. Uh, it feels like the news cycle is also packed with a lot of little bite-sized things. Um, I guess we can move away from what we're playing into the news. Some stuff that was announced arguably didn't say enough, and we don't have much to say about it. Like, I don't think anyone here is chomping at the bit to talk about the Puma Animal Crossing collaboration that didn't give us any official info on any of the shoes, but it exists. Let's go. <laughs> um, but other uh, other news that came out arguably, even in its brevity, was maybe too much, and maybe I'm the only one that felt this way, but on Friday, Nintendo dropped a Metroid Dread trailer that, like, don't get me wrong, the game looks amazing with each new clip released, but was it really worth spoiling or spoiling, spoiling all the things there like it amount like what basically what they did is they just did a laundry list of spoilers like all these quick flashes of new stuff and i'm we're not gonna spoil it here uh but there's a trailer there's a corresponding metroid dread uh website update that literally just lists out items and familiar faces from past games and a couple new ones no real explanation of what they are no explanation of what they do just kind of like hey remember this remember this remember that for like 10 things 
and I don't know. It just felt like spoilers for the sake of spoilers. I, I mean, I, I guess to build hype and market the game, but oh, Nintendo showing too much. Before I know. The game? I no, know. it reminds me of I remember with uh, the Mark Hardy. Did we did make a joke earlier? What? We made this joke earlier already too. Did we? Yeah. Today. Yeah. With what? When? Did we? No. WarioWare. Oh. Well, I thought I did. I, well, I mean, that's a demo as opposed to an yeah, entire Yeah, that's a trailer. demo. Or did you, oh, Angel, did you mean in terms of me saying how the whole cast list is online? No, I yeah, I just made a joke referencing the fact that Nintendo reviewed Oh, yeah, 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 you did. That's right, that's right, that's right, yeah. But, Not that they actually did. Yeah, but, but yeah, no, this is them just like literally the launching this Mario thing. Kart is like the worst example probably. Yeah, I'd say Mario Kart 8 uh, Direct is a really bad example. 45 minutes of every menu option. Um you know, I know you always have a bone to pick with Pikmin 3's rollout back in the Wii U days. Um, but yeah, this was one of those weird things because it was very brief. Like, the article is brief. The trailer is brief. Everything looks great, but it's just like, why even, like, say some of it? Like, do you need to know Attack X, Y, and Z are available now? Like, you need to know that today? Like, that, that is it going to sell you on the game if, like, an ice beam is there? Like, I don't, I don't, or an ice missile? Like, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, if you do want to watch the trailer and haven't seen it, it will get you hyped. Like, it looks really good. It will spoil things. We'll link to it um, and the corresponding Metroid Dread report, as they call it, um, on the blog post for this episode. Uh, but my point was there's a lot of – actually, you know what? Double tangent. We're doing it. We're tangenting on tangents. Another thing that was short and to the point that I know we have bone to pick with, Kevin, what's up with uh, Riptide, this event that Nintendo got some oh controversy my God, for on Friday? I'm going to make this short. Because I feel like at this point I'm going to sound like a broken record. So Riptide, <laughs> I believe, is an organizer of Super Smash of a modded Super Smash Brothers Brawl um, tournament, and Nintendo basically contacted them, said, "No, you guys can't do it." As far as I know, I believe this was going to be done online because we're still livid. We're still living in uh covid times but even if it wasn't well he's living i'm living for sure yeah um i don't know this is the same thing that happened with the big house a while ago this is for super smash brothers brawl which i believe the servers aren't even up anymore do you guys do either of you guys know they they shut down the servers a few years ago okay so so there's absolutely no way to play this online I don't know, right. man. Just, oh, it's so infuriating Nintendo's way of doing anything when it comes to them. They, they clearly just do not care. And I don't know, man. Like I said, at the expense of sound like a broken record, this sucks. Nintendo sucks for doing this. If you defend, if you defend Nintendo for this, I'm sorry, you're a bootlicker at that point. No, dude, that's, that's unacceptable. I've, it, the worst part is that. It's going to happen again at some point, and it's just we're just doing the cycle all over again, the same way that we did with the big house. It's a, it's not like that that time where, you know, there's that guy that was just that was housing a bunch of ROMs. Sure, that's different. Yeah. Um, this I I don't know how well, you defend. You know this. what's even weirder about this is so they were they were going to play a tournament with what project plus which is like project, project m2 plus. 
Yeah, and that, from my understanding, because once you mentioned that you know this was something that was of interest to you, I, I kind of looked around a little. That, from my understanding, isn't even online. Like the obviously it's a mod game, but to run it at the tournament, they needed copies of Smash Bros. Brawl running on the way. They need the actual discs. They're running it locally off the discs. So, like, I almost understand the concerns of that Nintendo may have about IP protection, not wanting to draw attention to legal pri- uh, piracy and that sort of thing, but, like, they're running it off purchased Smash Bros. discs. They bought the game. Like, what? Like, what? <laughs> like, why is this a concern? Like, how's it different than anyone modding anything else anywhere else in the world? Like, it... it it's insane I, how... I get it. yeah. It's insane how... And there was recently a story that a... Uh, a modder for, I believe, Fallout New Vegas, or it might have been Fallout 4, literally just got hired by Bethesda. Mm-hmm. And here we have Nintendo just being like, oh, no, 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 no. You're, you're not going to do this at all. It's so annoying. Oh, and I, I, I hate seeing people, and yes, it is a matter of opinion, but I hate seeing people defend Nintendo like, oh, they have to defend their property. Do they? No, they ha- there's a law that allows them to defend their pro- their property. They do not have to. And there is no reason to in this case. It's so annoying. Ugh. It pisses me off to, like, no extent. Yeah, the, the thing that bothered me, like, I understand. I mean, it, you know, Disney's the same way with their overprotectiveness of, like, Mickey and stuff. And I understand on some level a brand image that they want to maintain. But this isn't mainstream. Like, Riptide. I mean, I'm I'm clued in on what's going on in Nintendo. I've never heard of Riptide before. Like, like this isn't even among fans. This isn't super mainstream. It's like if there's a small community of modders who really enjoy doing this thing, and within that community, it's you know, creating enthusiasm for Nintendo products that will lead to further purchases of Nintendo products. And it's not something that's going to like expand to this greater audience. I don't get what the issue. I mean, I do understand you know Nintendo's product. Oh, it's a slippery slope. But like, really, like. 12 people playing in a tournament of this other Smash, or let's say 200 even. They sold 90 million Switches. You know, whoever number of people at Riptide isn't going to matter. Or they sold 100 million Wiis. Whoever, whoever people at Riptide is, is a drop in the bucket. Like, it's, it's yeah. It's, it, it is a slippery slope, but yeah. like, eh. Like, it, it's, it feels like overreaction at this stage. Yep. And yeah. it's gonna happen again in the future, like I said. Of course, of course. And we're gonna get mad all over again. And it's just, like I said, I'm gonna sound like a broken record. <laughs> stop defending N- Nintendo when they make poor, poor decisions like this. Please stop, people. Jesus Christ! It goes back to that thing that I said a while ago, where it's like, oh, I guess it's only okay when Nintendo does it. Like, I'm not seeing enough outrage on this. Yeah, I'm seeing the outrage, but obviously because like you go on Twitter, you click on. The little trending tab is like Riptide. Oh yeah, some people are talking about this. If EA was doing this with any of their games, any of their games, the entire gaming industry would be set ablaze. And once again, I'm not defending EA. EA sucks. But to please fair, stop EA, defending Nintendo better, when it comes with this stuff. EA is better in 2021 than they were in like 2017, 2015. Like they they've turned around a little. They're not. They're not Considering the best company low, in the world, but how low yeah. their bar is, it's like yeah. yeah. It, I feel like them and Activision sort of switch places in a lot of people's mind. I just mean in terms of game stuff, not the other things going on with Activision, but which are significantly worse and definitely <laughs> need to be addressed. But um, like in terms of like the the like mo of like you know the the big third party company that just rests on its laurels and keeps pumping out the same stuff. Like I feel like 
EA and Activision kind of swapped in the in this generation or like last generation maybe. Yeah, sure. But, yeah, that's that's I had to get that off my chest. I I can't wait to do this three months from now again. <laughs> but it's one of those things that like right like you know I'm saying there's all this news that's like bite size and like it has impact like you know like this was a single a two sentence statement released by Riptide and it rippled like it caused a <laughs> Riptide if you will. Uh, it like it was trending on Twitter. You're right. Like Nintendo was in the U.S.'s top trending topic. There was like seventy thousand tweets about this, which on one hand is a lot, but also. It was like number four. It was like right under all the Kanye shenanigans from the other night. So like, you know, it was – it got attention sort of. But yeah, I think it's just going to keep happening and we'll see what they do. Um, but yeah, that was, that was all us getting a little derailed with Metroid with this. Um, it's supposed to be a smooth transition to some like normal news. Um, like where I was actually going with all that bite-sized talk was to say that, you know, it was very notable at Gamescom. And the opening night live presentation this week. And I was going to just segue into that. But then I went on a tangent. And Kevin went on a tangent. Angel, do you have a tangent? Do you have anything on, you want to get off your chest before we get to Gamescom? <laughs> it's only fair. Nah, that's already heavy. Uh, I need I need, a, need to give that time to breathe. Okay, fair, fair. Like a, like a fine wine. It needs to... Uh, what's the word? Where you aerate or whatever? Um, but yeah, so let's talk Gamescom then. Or more specifically, uh, opening night live was this past week uh second year they've done that i think maybe third um kevin did angel did either of you watch it uh no but 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 i was um like kind of keeping track on twitter like with what was getting revealed and yeah i didn't really watch anything what do you guys think of as a whole never mind the actual announcement as a whole like thoughts i i thought pacing wise this was actually it was pretty good this year like just in terms of the flow i could imagine that Maybe the pacing was good. Maybe it was bad. I don't know. But I, <laughs> I mean, even on I, Twitter, was, you should have seen like the cadence of announcements, I guess. But yeah, I get your point. Um, yeah, if, if the pacing was great, um, that's awesome. Um, keeping a nice steady pace of game announcements is always great. Um, if the presentation for how they showed off those games was cool, it would be great too. Maybe make it a, a more of a staple to have a big elaborate showcase big elaborate you know panels or something assuming they had that if they didn't then maybe they should include that angels doing a choose your own adventure based on what you watched (laughs) when you saw opening night live (laughs) um well kevin you you actually watch it like what do you think of the pacing oh i I was like coming in and out of it okay yeah i mean i kind of was working at the same time but I don't know. It felt to me like it was a little better structured and kind of refined over like the summer game fest kickoff and either some, you know, even some of the other digital events. I mean, I think Nintendo is the one that's really mastered the format of digital presentations compared to everyone else in the industry. But like credit where it's due to Jeff Keighley and his team, I feel like opening night live this year, like kind of how they mix smaller and bigger content, it just flowed really well. Like it didn't feel like it was stagnant like maybe and maybe it's just because i'm getting tired of jack keely always promoting death stranding maybe they didn't need like 10 however long it was with death stranding um director's cut maybe they didn't need like 10 minutes of call of duty vanguard although i understand why but like in terms of big announcement little announcement indie announcement major announcement deeper gameplay interview big announcement little announcement like it felt a lot like how like xbox or playstation would do their conferences so it was actually like just more varied uh, so that's kind of nice. But for Nintendo fans, though, um, there wasn't much. I mean, Gamescom isn't – Gamescom isn't really that huge of an event in the Nintendo world. Like I feel like at one point they were trying to treat it like a European E3 and save a few announcements. Like I, I vividly remember is like the mid-2000s, um, and Nintendo hosted a conference where they announced both Battalion Wars 2 and Mario Strikers Charged 
which in retrospect is kind of funny that they were literally like, hey, we're in Europe, so let's give them some soccer and a game by one of their own studios, and we'll that will be a big blowout. It'll be great. But um, but in the years since, like Nintendo, they kind of just use Gamescom as like a PAX style event. Like Nintendo of Europe, when it's a live event, would do Treehouse Live equivalent streams. I forgot what they called it. It was like the box or something. It was like get in the box with Nintendo of Europe. But, uh, you know, new info isn't really that much of a thing on the Nintendo side, uh, especially when they always have their own September Nintendo Directs, which we're almost at September, so that's probably happening soon. Um, but that does mean that for Gamescom, it's really kind of an opportunity for third parties to fill the void or try or, or not or whatever. And in the case of this year, we did get some nuggets of new of new info relevant to us Switch folk that we're kind of worth touching on. Like there's some cool stuff. Again, sort of small but kind of cool. The, the biggest of the small um, is an entirely new Marvel title called – Marvel Midnight Suns. It's developed by Firaxis Games, the team behind XCOM, which the second I saw that, I thought of you, Kevin, because you, you like XCOM, right? I love XCOM. <laughs> A shame. XCOM 2 is on the Switch, but XCOM Enemy Unknown is not, which is a travesty because I believe that first game is way better. So Marvel, XCOM, essentially some sort of crossover, at least conceptually on board uh, conceptually because apparently it plays nothing like XCOM. So Wait, what? now I'm really interested. Yep. That's it. it. That's the thing. See, this is the point about the bite size announcements. That's kind of annoying is like here again, all they did, they didn't show gameplay. That's not being shown until September 1st. So all we know at this point, as of this recording is that the game will be a tactical RPG. It'll focus on not just upgrading individual characters, but the relationships between them and that fire access, the developers uh, actually created their own protagonist, with the help of Marvel, called the Hunter, who the player will customize as they go. That's all we know or knew, and then they just showed a CG trailer. So I think a lot of people made the assumption of, oh yeah, if it's the XCOM guys, go back Marvel XCOM, but uh, it's not, I guess. Yeah, there was a, uh, a story I believe on PC Gamer that said, yep, this game is going to play nothing like XCOM. There are going to be little, you know, little. You are going to get an XCOM sort of feel, but it's not going to be a a uh, tactics sort of style of game. That's your so Final Fantasy Tactics, your XCOM, your Gears Tactics, all these games with tactics in the name. <laughs> but yeah, no, that that's interesting because, like, conceptually, even if it was XCOM, it just it felt like all the right moves for the Switch audience. I mean, like, the game's coming to every platform when it launches in March, but Switch seemed primed for it because you know the user base is already very familiar with XCOM style of gameplay, which I guess it isn't. But Mario and Rabbids is pretty similar, so like that kind of entry points there obviously xcom's on the switch and then like it the switch already has a million selling stat focused marvel game in marvel ultimate alliance 3 so like this felt like the perfect marriage of those that would just hit that eye so that's interesting they're going in a different direction um i guess whatever it turns into though it it likely coincidental but um it seems like Midnight Suns will pair nicely with anyone who's played ultimate alliance 3 like you know ultimate alliance is based on the comics but it loosely associates with what people know from the movies and shows, you know, Infinity Stones, the, the heroes you can choose, that sort of thing. Midnight Suns, on the other hand, it seems like it's forging into a territory of a more specific 90s series of comics that focused on a group of heroes, some adventures, some not, who uh, are stopping some demon mother named Lilith or something like that. Um, so it kind of feels like it's sort of a deeper cut or like next step for more casual fans who played Ultimate Alliance 3. Probably not intentionally, just it kind of has that progression. Um but yeah, gameplay-wise, now I have no idea what to think. 
<laughs> but I suspect it will be It'll deeper. Be interesting. Yeah, it has to be deeper than Ultimate Alliance 3 because that's, that's pretty light and breezy. I mean, we never actually uh, talked about it, but Angel and I have been playing. I think we mentioned in passing, but we did. We have been playing Ultimate Alliance yeah, 3. Jason beat a game. Yeah, we just, in our game night group this past week, just finished Ultimate Alliance 3. Um, and yeah, I, I have to imagine, I have to imagine Midnight Suns is going to be deeper. Because, I mean, Angel, what do you think? Like, now that we've beaten Ultimate Alliance, what what do you think of the game as a whole? Because it was... It's pretty light and fair. Um, yeah, light and fair is um, putting it lightly. Um, it, it's the perfect, like, turn your brain off and just play. It, it's like um, watching, it's like having the TV on when you're doing something else and you're not really paying attention to the TV, but having the TV on just, like, gives you comfort for some reason or you just, like, like having it on even if you're not really fully invested in it. It... It's that in video game form. And obviously, like, if you're really into it, you actually can pay attention to it. But the way we have been playing essentially is, you know, we jump on these game these game sessions like on Mondays and we're just having like our like a casual conversation. And it's kinda nice just being able to, you know, focus on the conversation and just kinda have something going in the background. It's like, you know, we're just chatting about what have you movies ninja turtles some random stuff and that's like oh oh they they got another the community stone all right that's cool all right let's keep, let's keep it going <laughs> um and yeah like it definitely is very much the kind of game that i would not enjoy by myself um because it can get very repetitive i mean it's a beat-em-up um and it does have like you know a leveling system but to me, that doesn't really amount to too much. Like, I mean, and if, if you're not invested in, I guess, the character stats and stuff, you're just going to upgrade things willy-nilly. I was just kind of upgrading things whenever they gave me currency. And I never switched characters. I was playing as a character named Crystal, which I believe is an Inhuman, but I am not sure. Um, no, she was cool. She was able to fly. She was able to shoot, like, you know, shoot fire, wind, water, or throw earth. Or she summons Captain Planet. Ground. And depending on like what the last attack I used was determined, you know, what type of projector I wish normally just by tapping A. But like in many other games of this type, it never really felt like it mattered what attack I did. Um, because they all did a lot of damage and they all really at the end of the day kind of felt the same way. And I mean, the story I mean there is a story. I mean visually like I think they did an awesome job with, like, the art style. I mean, I think that definitely suits, like, the Marvel comic look much better than, I would even say, the Avengers game on... Oh, 100%. other consoles. Yeah. They were... I, like, I still remember that one is, they were announced in the same week, and I just gravitated right to Ultimate Alliance because the Avengers game just felt like a movie knockoff. This feels like kind of a comic book come to life, and it has its own personality. Yeah, they... They did the right thing, yeah. At least, like, visually, you know, they made sure to keep the design. I don't know, like, it's funny, like, the more they stayed away from the likenesses of any of the actors. I mean, yeah, Thor kind of looks a certain way that obviously inspired the way he looked in the live-action movies, which now in turn is inspiring how he looks in a bunch of media. So it's kind of nice just looking at Captain America and Thor and Ultimate Alliance and not think, oh, this looks like a knockoff like Crim's Hansworth or something versus the other one where, you know, they kind of pick this middle of the road somewhere between 
movie and original and it does end up coming off like oh this is what our character that we couldn't get the rights to would look like you know it's like oh not quite mark ruffalo not quite you know chris evans or whatever but i mean that aside yeah nice uh nice couch turn your brain off game i wonder if i don't know i guess if like the warrior games were four player and online maybe i would actually enjoy them because I could very much, you know, see myself just playing it casually in the background, not really paying attention. Because sometimes you do just want to play a game where you just kind of mash A, like, mindlessly and destroy everything in, this, in your path. But, yeah. Yeah, I think I think you, you kind of summed it up. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head here. And I, I think it's actually... Like it was my experience with Ultimate Alliance Three as well, and I think I think it's actually a good explanation for why Nintendo picked up publishing rights for this game of all things in the first place, and how it can kind of presumably feed in something like Midnight Suns. Because like I remember back when at E three when I demoed it, which actually I said that Avengers and this were announced at the same time. They were not, but they were at E three at the same time. And the thing that uh, most stuck out in my mind from that demo, and I'm sure I said it here on the show at the time, was that. Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 really seems to embody what the Switch is about. Like, even on the show floor, you could sense it's very pick-up-and-play, very co-op friendly. You can hop in and out, you know, really kind of breezy. And, and you know, now that I've gone through the final game, it, it does feel that same way, like you're saying, Angel. Like, you, you definitely can... You can trot this thing out at, like, a game night with friends. Not like how we do it online. I mean, like, if you're all doing, like, couch co-op or something, you can, like, trot this out. Everyone can have fun with it. Like you said, it can be kind of mindless, but I'd, I'd almost use a different term. I'd say it's extremely accessible. And, like, the onboarding of new players into this game is really wherever you want it to be. You can hop in and choose a hero you recognize, all which, you know, again, are drawn not just in the comics, but also the mainstream media that, like, spun out of the comics. Uh, but then, so, you know, they're recognizable people who maybe aren't even that closely watching Marvel, but but then who, if you aren't... every, like, recognizable character, there's, like, that's eight that are, like, who? Yeah, no, they, they have some deeper cuts, which I think is, you know, I think it kind of mirrors the gameplay structure. Because, like, if you want someone casual, you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, this is kind of fun. You can just button mash. Like, it's it's fine. Like, you mentioned you did. Or if you want to do, like, some cool combos, like, the game allows that pretty easily. You know, while pull off some elaborate move with teammates, like your alliance moves, well, the game, every time you do it, flashes on screen exactly what to do when it's tried. Uh, but there is kind of that deeper side if you want it, when we chose not to. But, you know, like... If you want to pick the character you don't recognize or you're like the deeper Marvel fan, there are the stats. There are the ISO cubes to collect. There are team attributes you can distribute. There's this huge like web. It has it has these layers that I imagine, especially when playing solo, are actually somewhat important. But, um, you know, and even in multiplayer, if you, if you plan to actually like make it through the game, you can do what we do and stick with one hero and just level him up and kind of breeze through. But the, one of the friends we're playing with, he has been cycling through it with different heroes and that's an opportunity to kind of grind and do more. And there's, you know, like challenge rooms and there's different ways to, and like a boss rush-ish sort of thing. And there's like different ways to like get more out of the game. And I think it's this balancing act of like it being super kind of mindless and breezy if you want to be. But if you want to like get into it, you can. That's probably why Nintendo was interested in it because it kind of, you know, it has that easy entry point yet there's more people want it. And I think that it has been at least Maybe a little less now because the Switch is kind of just like everything. But for a while there, I feel like Nintendo's really angling the Switch as like a gamer machine with accessibility. And this kind of was like the perfect – it filled a hole in the lineup that wasn't there but matched that like idea, that concept. So so yeah, that, that – yeah. which, which kind of makes it the perfect segue in something like Midnight Suns, right? Because if the 
gameplay of Midnight Sun shapes up to be deeper than this, which by all accounts it probably will, uh, it's kind of just the next step down that path, right? Like the real-time combat becomes turn-based combat. The ability to upgrade moves and stats going from, you know, kind of necessary to presumably very necessary. The, the story, like I was saying, is sort of like one step deeper into Marvel lore. So, yeah, I mean, like if you asked me a year or two ago would I be interested in Marvel Midnight Suns, I'd, I'd probably say not really, even though I love, you know, following the shows and the movies, but... And I don't necessarily know where your head's at with this, Angel, but at least after Ultimate Alliance 3, you know, knowing the pedigree of the developer behind Mar- uh, behind Midnight Suns, kind of... Like, it's not a slam dunk yes for me, but I would say I'm more intrigued coming out of Ultimate Alliance 3 than I would have been if I hadn't played Ultimate Alliance 3, if that makes sense. It does. Uh, not the case for me. Um, I was very much... Like the only reason I ended up playing Marvel to the Mind Alliance at, was was because was me. You know, it was for the friend group. I'm the one that pitched like, it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I really didn't want to play it, um, just because I typically don't really have a lot of interest, at least enough interest in the Marvel universe in game form to play a Marvel universe game. So yeah, it was like. Yeah, it was not, even though like yeah, I enjoyed my time with it. I very much am not looking forward to the next Marvel game that I have to play. So <laughs> I'll spare you. Out, I'll spare like, you. No Midnight Sun. Don't worry. Yeah. So like, I mean, even if I do end up playing it, like, yeah, it's it's the kind of game that yeah, a Marvel game like this, with the exception of individual hero games, like, and I guess really just Spider Man. Um. Yeah. This is uh. What is it? Marvel Midnight Suns. Um, it's not off my radar. Like, it's not off my radar. No, yeah, yeah, it's off my radar. I took it off the radar. <laughs> I made sure it's not on the radar. You you shot a missile at the submarine and it is gone now from the radar. Yeah, I had to clear up the clutter essentially. Well, like, because you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Fair, and fair. Uh, there's plenty of trash that I am uh, looking forward to. And after Magic, Kevin, you're just waiting and seeing what Fire Axis does with this thing. Yeah, so that that'll be uh, Fire Axis does does more than XCOM. They are the developers of Civilization, which right. I was obsessed with Civilization Five for the longest time in the world. I remember, I remember I was on a Discord call with Elvis's with Elvis's brother with Angel's brother Elvis, and I remember starting it up and just thinking to myself. Oh no, oh no, <laughs> this game is going to ruin my life. So they they make they make some stellar games. Yeah. So I forgot they I'll, did. Civ, I'll, I'll honestly, be curious. Yeah. Because I I always forget that like I keep it keeps coming up and be like oh yeah it's the same team because like it's such different. I mean there's a little overlap conceptually but it's such different like Civilization and XCOM <laughs> like it you know they don't seem like they pair under the same developer. Yeah, they're sort of like turn based tactics games to a degree. Yeah, like, but like just the scope difference. Like you know, it's like if oh, yeah, it's like yeah, if Maxis, you know, when they you know SimCity, if they also made like I don't even know, I can't even think of a good name. like Final Fantasy Tactics. I don't know, like it's just sort of like this weird, huh? But it makes sense, yeah. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see with Midnight Suns. Uh, actually, by the time a lot of people hear this, there will be gameplay. It's like three days after this goes live. But as of now, I guess we'll wait and see. One game, you know, I said Midnight Suns isn't a slam dunk for me. One game that is a slam dunk, yes is Super Monkey Ball Banana Blitz. 
And if we're talking bite-sized news, it's probably the king of it, even at Gamescom. Because for the past month or so, Sega's been drip-feeding out new characters you can stick inside your monkey ball, which I promise you is not a euphemism. Uh, but so far we've gotten Sonic. We mentioned last episode Beat from Jet Set Radio, the dude from Yakuza. It's very much – it's all very much Sega kind of taking a page from the Smash Bros. playbook of character crossovers. Maybe like the title page or the table of contents. It's, the characters aren't actually changing anything. It's kind of shallow. It's cosmetic. But a page nonetheless. And then – So it really is just cosmetic? I believe so, yeah. yeah it, looked, it looks like it is. And then uh, wow. what, what gets interesting is – Because it during... seems potentially awesome. Like, oh, Sonic being a little faster or Persona are you having a little grapple. Like if you fall off the stage, if you just like swing back. Yeah, so, I mean they might. I mean not. the Persona one we're about to get to is DLC. But they might. But what I was going to say is it's just to kind of – I mean at least they're free, right? No. Well, yes and no. So, so what they're doing is Sonic beat Yakuza guy – uh, they're all in the game day one baked in, I believe. But now what they're announcing, and they did, they announced this during opening night live. Um, actually, they kind of just took the whole playbook from Smash Bros. They didn't just take a page at this point. They had a Jeff Keighley production announce a surprise Persona Five character being added as DLC to an existing known game. Except it wasn't Joker; it was Morgana, and she's now in a monkey ball. Or he, not she. He is now in a monkey ball. Um, but yes, it's apparently going to cost five dollars. So once again, uh, I turn to Kevin here. What I mean, you like Persona? Way too much for Morgana. Yeah, way too okay. much. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it. I like Morgana. Way too much money for Morgana. And I like the idea of turning Monkey Ball into like a Sega celebration, and in and of itself, that works pretty well. I mean, Atlas is now part of Sega, right? So in and of itself, that works pretty well. But like you know, especially it's it's Monkey Ball's twentieth anniversary. Sega just had their sixteenth anniversary. They're doing some silly stuff along with the characters. I mean, you can roll around as a Dreamcast if you want. Like that's the thing. But like, why is why is Morgana five dollars? I don't get like if you think about how much you get for a dollar more in Smash Bros with each fighter, it just seems insane to me that skin alone, as it stands now, is nearly that same price. Like ninety nine cents could have been a sweet spot, maybe even two bucks if they're feeling adventurous. But five dollars. For a skin? Like, really? Also, Kevin, does it bother you at all that Sega keeps giving Nintendo Platform stuff to promote Persona 5, but the Persona 5 itself is still not on a Nintendo Platform? Like, we've gotten so much, like, around it, but they have yet to put... I mean, Strikers is is on... But not, like, real Switch, Persona, but... I mean. Not real Persona 5. Spin-off Persona 5. Uh, I mean, I mean, Strikers lets them get away with putting a lot of things on Switch, I guess. Yeah, now. that's fair. That's fair. But but still, it's just kind of like it's just funny. This whole thing is just funny. But um, I mean, it's, I I would, I'm hoping they continue the trend. Um, you know, maybe come to their senses and do a more reasonable price because I I would like them to be able to keep going down this road of crossovers. I feel like someone like Billy Hatcher would be perfect to add, or maybe even if Sega were like branch out to third party partnerships. Like, what better way to celebrate like the fourth anniversary of Donkey Kong than throwing Donkey Kong or Diddy into a monkey ball for a buck, like. I don't know. Is there anyone you want? You guys would want to see in in, in a ball or tour differently? Any Sega IPs you wish they'd revive? Would be interesting. What? Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, <laughs> a morph ball. Oh, morph ball would be kind of cool. I I I'm curious to go down this road of Jake Gyllenhaal though. <laughs> Bubble Boy. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, I forgot I was in that. Um, I mean, honestly, he was Bubble Boy. I thought he that was Adam Sandler. I'm pretty sure it was Jake Gyllenhaal. God damn it. Now I got to look it up. Well, you looked that up. Another idea if we're talking weird. At this point, Sega, just put like – I'm not even kidding. 
put a Daytona USA yeah, car was, uh, into the Yeah, it was Jake Jones. Huh. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's they can. It's a wide open world of options <laughs> to put people and things in balls. Um, but for five bucks a pop, yeah, I don't know if there's enough DLC to get. Never mind Jake Hall, That's obviously not happening. But to get Billy Hatcher, to get like a Daytona car, to get an outrun pair of sunglasses, like I or a you know an afterburner jet, like I I can't see any of that happening if they're charging five dollars a pop. An afterburner jet, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, come on, they have hardware in it already. You can roll around as a Game Gear. Like, is a jet that much more extreme at that point? Yeah, I guess not. Yeah. So, but I do love that. Like, they're embracing the absurdity, and they like Monkey Ball is such a weird concept to begin with. So for them, just be like, you know what? Let's just follow the industry trends and pump IPs in there, but do it in kind of this goofy way. You know, Fortnite it, Smash Bros it, whatever term you want to use. Like, hey, why not at this point? Like. It'll get extra attention on the game. It means we might get more Monkey Ball. That's all great in my mind. Um, but at Gamescom, I feel like the Smash parallels continued outside of just Super Monkey Ball's approach. Um, because this week, both in Opening Night Live and then outside of Opening Night Live, uh, and this is more up Angel's alley, April O'Neil of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had really been having a moment. Um, at Opening Night Live, it was announced for the first time franchise history she's going to be playable in the upcoming Shredder's Revenge, which was also quietly delayed till next year. But, uh, you know, the next, uh, maybe hmm. that specific version of April, but I'm pretty sure she was already a playable fighter in the 2005 or six game. TMNT. Mutant Sorry. Are you saying Thank that Jeff Keighley lied to me? How dare you pretty and, or he, sure he did. Wow. I'm going to, I'm going to double check. I but, feel betrayed because yeah, they sure were definitely implying play. it's like playable for the first time anywhere. And then the next day that was doubled down on because a uh, Nickelodeon all-star brawl announced that she will also be a fighter there alongside cat dog. So she really did. I guess whether or not she was playable in mutant melee, she had a solid 24 hours at gamescom. And I have to imagine. Yep. She is definitely a playable. Wow. Character. I trusted Jeff Keighley. This is a really sad day. But anyway, Angel, I have to imagine you have some thoughts on yeah. April popping up in all these places. It... Yeah, so as far as, uh, you know, um, beyond a, that, her being playable, not being a new thing, um, uh, I mean, the, the character itself, eh, I mean, it's, it's cool. Like, yeah, a big Ninja Turtles fan, but um, it's funny. It's more like the specific April that they picked that doesn't have me that excited. Um, I mean, I think having April as a playable character in general is pretty. Are, are you cool, talking but, um, more? Um, not to interrupt it for for for, for okay. Yeah, I, was um, say. I mean, as far as like, <laughs> yeah, as far as but I mean like I mean well I mean first addressing the actual game announced at Gamescom mm-hmm. or talked about at Gamescom, like her being playable in that game makes perfect sense. The game is set in that universe of the ninety show. I mean, I guess it started in the super late eighties, and yeah. Fits right in. Pretty cool. I mean, it looks like they're setting up to have Casey on the opposite side. Maybe Splinter. Maybe both. I mean, at this point, it seems like they're just going to go nuts with it. I mean, the game is looking really polished, although it's, as I mentioned many times before, not my cup of tea as far as game genres. But, you know, if played with four people, I'll be able to tolerate it. Um, So, at least, like, I mean, I don't know. I love that this game looks like a lot of heart and soul is being poured into it for a turtle property. You don't really see that a lot, which is always great. But, yeah, April's combos look interesting. She's just kind of punching and kicking, but at least they made it look in an interesting way in the 
beat-em-up game, but as far as the Nickelodeon one, yeah, I mean, I guess, again, it's not like they had to stick with that April. It's supposed to be, you know, a Nickelodeon amalgam game. So, if anything, I thought it would have been more interesting if they had picked different Turtles characters from different generations. Like, maybe mix up the Turtles have... I mean, you have four Turtles, you have four different animated series. And maybe alternate costumes will work, but April joining it? Do have been licensing the, issue? Well, no, they own think, it. Yeah, I think they own the whole IP. Oh, now. they just straight up own yeah. all of Ninja Turtles. Yeah, when did they, they buy it again? Yeah, it was the like they licensed it for a while, and then they just like absorbed it at some point, right? Like there's two separate problems. No, 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 it? no. They, they, they. It was just straight up. Oh, from the start, I like, thought they just had a licensing deal initially. Interesting. No, no, no. Yeah, they. As soon as um, I think around 2010, 2011 that they bought them. That they bought. It was that long ago already? Wow. Yeah, before that, um, Peter Redding, well, Peter, right? Um, Peter Laird was the sole owner of the Turtles at that point. Kevin Eastman, the other co-creator of the TMNT, had already sold his share to Peter Laird so that he could pursue his own metal music stuff. And as a result, missed out on the Viacom money, which he is very much sad about. But, you know, it's funny that that meant Peter Laird would retire sold it to Nickelodeon, and Kevin Eastman ended up coming back to be one of the main artists and writers for the currently ongoing Ninja Turtle comic. So it's kind of interesting how that kind of flip-flopped. But, um... But yeah, I mean, that being said, there's a bunch of different kinds of Aprils that I felt would have made for a much more interesting playable character, especially because, you know, this April... I mean, and this is just, like, you know, the the fanboy in me like because you know like oh this april was just a news reporter she never really fought all that much but you have other aprils that were straight up trained by splinter you know the turtles sensei martial arts teacher and there's even a version of april that was trained by splinter and has psychic powers that just seems way more interesting as a fighting game character but yeah i mean Neither Porter April. Do, yeah. do you Definitely think it's, a, shine. Do you I, think I, it's I, just a nostalgia play? Like in the same way that they're, you know, throwing cat dog in and all these things from our Yeah, I, I mean, oh, like heck yeah. Like, I mean, just the fact that the turtles so far have only been modeled after the old show and not the ones actually created by Nickelodeon. Because right now Nickelodeon has two shows that were, by all accounts, created by them the 2012 show, that's CG. And the currently airing one, the Rise of the TMNT with the, I guess the art style that was very polarizing and design choices by fans. But, you know, it still looks like quality. Like, I'm shocked they didn't put any of those. And unfortunately for them, the Rise of the TMNT designs don't really lend themselves to just character swapping. Because, yeah, the turtles are all like kind of different sizes. Like, Raphael is like a huge monster as opposed to just being like a recoloring of the other turtles. But what I find most interesting, honestly, is the discourse around it. Just because I've been on the other side, you know, Smash Brothers character announcements, people, myself included, when a new Fire Emblem character gets announced, people kind of roll their eyes. It's like, oh, another Fire Emblem character. We don't need another Fire Emblem character. And TMNT already seems to be the target of that because I saw multiple comments across multiple, like, sources, you know, like YouTube video comments or... Um, or just Twitter post comments 
that they're like, oh, TMNT is the Fire Emblem of, I guess, the Nickelodeon Smashdown. Because I guess a lot of people, and it kind of, and some just straight up admitted it, like just didn't grow up with TMNT or just didn't really know much about TMNT. So to them, they're just like, as they put it, you know, waste of character slots or just the Fire Emblem. There's just so many. Because presumably we're going to get maybe the other two turtles and probably a shredder, especially if we have April. Unless we don't, in which case it'll be even more like interesting that they picked, you know, April as a third rev if we're not going to get any more TMNT ones. But I feel this all but confirms we're going to get at least one more. And yeah, it's just interesting being on the side where, you know, a franchise I obviously love is the one that's kind of being targeted as the I guess the disliked franchise, but you know, people got to learn to respect their elders. I mean, TMNT literally Nickelodeon. <laughs> <laughs> I do find it amusing that um, Fire Emblem is now shorthand. This can be said about yeah, Fire is, Emblem. Yeah, yeah is it Fire Emblem also... like one of the longest running? I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, like oh, all right, I get it. But I mean, come on, Westerners. It's not like you guys were Fire Emblem fans when this was on the NES. It was only like post GameCube. But yeah, still. I mean, there's some truth to that. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, here, yeah, we didn't even get it. The first one we got was in 2002. That was, you know, 15 years after the series started. Yeah, but but yeah, I I, I was starting to say, or maybe I did actually say it, but I think it's so funny that the shorthand for this issue is Fire Emblem, and everyone knows what that means in this community. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, that that was kind of like the big stuff out of um. Or not even big stuff, the tidbits out of game com, uh, Gamescom. But let's end with something that does have a little more depth to it. Uh, the final topic of the show, or the final bucket, uh, last week's Pokemon Presents. The bulk of which was dedicated to some first real details on Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl and Pokemon Legends Arceus. It also had some bite-sized bits of news, you know, like Pokemon Unite saying mobile on September 22nd. Um, there's some events in Pokemon Masters EX and Pokemon Go. There also is this announcement of Pokemon Cafe Remix, which um, actually, I'm if it's okay, I'm going to touch on that real quick before I get to the big guns. Because here's the thing about Pokemon Cafe Remix, or Pokemon Cafe Mix, the original. The game's underrated. Like, you, you can't really... You can't really appreciate the core puzzle mechanic, and I said this to you guys when I gave impressions a year ago, but you can't really appreciate that core puzzle mechanic just looking at the game in screenshots or videos. Like, it seems like you're swirling around random puzzle pieces shaped like Pokemon's heads, which, I mean, you you kind of are, but um, within that swirling, you're trying to form combos to collect and clear out certain ingredients, and you only have a set number of moves, and each ingredient can impact your comboing differently, and never mind the special moves that each Pokemon can provide that shake up how the pieces operate and you know there, there is a, a lot to it actually relatively speaking and it is a lot of fun but also I couldn't tell you the last time I played it and for puzzle games in particular replayability is kind of key right like even me the guy who doesn't go back to his games enough I go back to Tetris 99 all the time I used to revisit Medios and uh, Man- Magnetica of all games in the years of the DS uh, Puzzle League's always something I'd like to return to. But like Cafe Mix, I, I haven't... That kind of fell off my radar. So I have to imagine I'm not the only one, which is probably why they're boosting the game with this new Pokemon Cafe Remix relaunch, which they announced. And great punny name. Really really working that mix well. Um, but they didn't really say anything about what it entails. Like the idea of new puzzle challenges and items is intriguing. But I guess... 
and I, and I, I guess adding new Pokemon and outfits to dress up your Pokemon, sure. But as like a lapsed Cafe Mix player, and the reason I wanted to touch on this real quick before we get into the real meat and potatoes of the presentation, is I feel like they announced change without actually talking about change. Like it did nothing. Like I, this this may be an example of when bite sized news news is too bite sized. Like I literally had no emotional response to this except oh, and if I as a player who you know, if I don't know what to be excited about, what about folks who never tried Cafe Mix? Like, did that announce to do anything for those guys? I like, I did. Did you guys feel anything? Like, are you kind of like, oh, maybe I'll check out Cafe Remix? Like, I, I have to imagine it just did nothing for you, right? Yeah, unfortunately, it left you fear. Like, I, I when I saw it, the trailer, or I guess the announcement of this, it, it, yeah, I, I I was already not playing it, so. This definitely didn't change my mind. It didn't show right? enough. And, and like, Kevin, I imagine... You... Yeah, or at the very least, explain why I should be excited Right, and, about and it. Kevin, I have to imagine you're kind of in the same boat. <laughs> Mobile gaming. Hey, it's, hey, hey, hey. No, I, I'm, it's on I'm Switch, kidding. Sir. I'm kidding. I'm it's absolutely kidding. I know, I know, I'm kidding. I know, I know, I know, I'm, I know. I'm kidding because because <laughs> my my iPhone 10 is, uh, is on its last legs, and if I play anything that's graphic-intensive, my phone just decides to become... Uh, what Doc Ock was uh, was working on at the end of Spider Man Two, <laughs> um, but it is on Switch, so no real excuse there. But no, I, I get what you mean, though. Yeah, like it never even crossed your radar for that reason. I'm sure, right? Uh, yeah, it, it was. Yeah, just it just never caught my eye. Yeah, and it's one of those things that like I want to be excited as someone who I did catch, and that's what's kind of frustrating. Is like I just don't know what I'm excited for. Like, why should I be excited? Why should you who never like wh- how's it catch your eye? How's it get Angel's attention? Like, all they did was go, "Hey, remember this game?" There'll be more to remember and play. We won't tell you what, but just back of your mind, which I guess is news in and of itself. But I don't know. It it felt weird. Fortunately, neither of the other games in the presentation had this problem. Uh, if there's one thing the presents, I think actually did well. It was to spell out pretty much what to expect from each, and uh, that is, you know, Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl, Pokemon Legends. Which one are you guys most excited for? I wouldn't use the word excited. Interested in. Um, going, to buy, <laughs> going to put down money for possibly, whether you want to begrudgingly there or not. There we go. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, as I stated, like, my overall feelings on Diamond and Pearl haven't really changed all too much since its first announcement where it's like oh, this looks too similar to what I played back in the day it's like you know it, it has that effect. I mean as an updated version of the original which is basically what it is because it's not a remake like um, I guess I would consider Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire mm-hmm. um yeah, like there isn't much for me to get too excited about, but as just something to, I guess, toy like just to toy with, because essentially, like, like I'm currently like just practicing Japanese with like some coworkers, and I it just seemed like a good option for a game that I could try to play out entirely in Japanese, just because I already played through the plot once, doesn't look that much different, and. From my understanding, Pokemon games are really, really good to just practice and learn the languages with just because of how dialogue heavy it is and how much not complicated grammar it uses. So, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to it for that. What about Legends? Not so much. 
any other content. Where you sit on Legends, or um, where you stand on Legends. Oh, and I guess the fact that it's not doesn't have a competitive online ranking leaderboard actually ended up being a plus for me. Um, normally, I don't play Pokemon for the plot whatsoever, so it's kind of interesting that I'm playing this one for the plot, just because of the dialogue. And in not having an online ranking system, you know, in a time when, you know, life is short and we got to make <laughs> the best use of our time and all that, like, I just don't really have the bandwidth to really dive into competitive Pokemon anymore, I feel. Like, luckily, with the magic of, like, data transfers and all that, I still have access to all my competitive Pokemon that I could presumably put in home and then migrate over to this Diamond game, or at least the one that it will allow, which is great. Like, the past me did all the heavy lifting. I could just reap the reap the benefits. But I, the fact that the competitive ranked online isn't there makes me happy that I don't have to feel tempted or or feel like I'm missing out. I just get to enjoy the game and just play the multiplayer whenever I feel like it. And, yeah, that's kind of cool. But, I mean, as far as the Arceus game goes, um, yeah, I guess I don't really plan on getting it. It just doesn't... I mean, it looks fine for what it's trying to yeah. do, but, like I said, like Pokemon is has only ever really been a... I guess, like, up until this version of the game the competitive turn-based game, I don't often play any other version, for versions, versions of Pokemon. Even Snap. I didn't get I play this of version of Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> that was my New Jersey yes. I wish it, accent. It's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, I wish I knew, cause was it more New Jersey? Jersey accent. I think it's Jersey. Yeah, it's kind of Jersey, right? Yeah, so I'm sure you've so been to New Jersey. Any, yeah, it's kind of Jersey. Yeah, so, so so this isn't any different. Um, no real, I guess, drive to play it unless I don't know. I I, I don't know what they would have to do to get me interested in it particularly. How, how about? But I'm um, maybe are you? Uh, are yeah, you? Well, Kevin, where where's your head at with all this? With like Brilliant Diamond, Shine, Pearl, Legends. Uh, Diamond and Pearl, I, I might get it, as I've stated multiple times on this podcast. Uh, those were the games that I was playing when my DS got stolen uh, and didn't finish the game. So I might go back, maybe. And then Arceus, Arceus. Uh, the, the little tidbit of gameplay that they did show and talk about looked interesting. It just didn't look interesting enough mm, for me. That's fair. It It is interesting that you guys seem more into brilliant diamond and shining pearl uh it sounds like in part because of how close it is to the original experience um you know either for nostalgia or for yeah that used to be a detriment exactly i mean yeah because i'm no 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 i i would definitely be way more excited about it if it was using like the sword and shield engine because i mean i was on my pokemon hiatus right. like as much as I feel like, oh, uh, maybe I shouldn't get back into competitive Pokemon, if the new Diamond and Pearl used the new engine and pretty much brought over all the new mechan- the competitive mechanics and they just continue where they left off like they usually do, I would have totally been made that time for it and gone on board with it. So, so I mean, yeah, it's still kind of a bummer that it is what it is, but I've come to 
find a reason to appreciate right it, I guess. right it's just it's just i guess it's just kind of interesting that and it's not a knock it's just interesting that you're you know erring on the side of familiarity uh and i i'm super interested in seeing how legends branches out like to me that's the one that's like i'm not at all that i don't think i'm getting bright diamond shining pearl like i i rarely i don't think i bought alpha uh ruby and omega sapphire either actually so i don't usually but like legends looks kind of interesting and um to your point about how like if it was the proper remake it does feel like game freak is once again sort of toying with what their usual release structure is like first we saw them do it by replacing a third version of the core games with dlc to kind of prop up sales of the primary two you know sword and shield and the expansion pass and it did work wonders like sword and shield are like I think they're just shy of being the best-selling entries in franchise history. Expansion Pass obviously gave it a boost because, you know, those sales trucked along in year two. Uh, and now it's kind of happening again with how they evolve their current engine. Because in the past, like you know, we were kind of talking about the remakes, you know, they do upgrade to the existing generation's engine and then add something new. So, like, Fire Red and Leaf Green, they, they were upgraded into that Game Boy Advance engine and added the wireless dongle. Heart Gold and Soul Silver upgrade, but with the Poco Walker, you know, even Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire at least like brought Mega Evolutions and the like into Hoenn for the first time. So like they were all doing something that was a little more than just the original game. Here though, it seems like from the presentation, Game Freak sort of forked what would be one combined game and then adjusted the scope accordingly. And I, I made this dumb joke on Twitter that the trailers for the two games were edited in such a way that they demonstrated each one's scale and obviously that wasn't on purpose but it is kind of true like if you watch like the brilliant diamond and shining pearl trailer it's very focused in on exactly what the first versions did i mean visually represented by those they do those weird zoom ins on the trailer where like zooming in on the text that highlights each feature in the text boxes in the game and like the biggest new feature is apparently capsule decoration so that's not a new they're feature. acting like it is <laughs> that's yeah i'm putting you in quotes like the base new feature I, I, is capsule decorations so um I, I love that feature actually yeah and there's so nothing wrong with that i'm not, kinda, I'm not I hope they, the game i hope they keep the alphabet because those were really fun to i mean obviously this is probably why they i would be surprised if they don't allow these to be used online because you could literally spell things out like if you capture the unknowns you get a letter that you could add to the capsules and yeah, you can spell all sorts of things. funny little things when your Pokemon comes out, depending on the Pokemon. But and yeah, I mean, also actually kind of happy to, I guess, revisit the mines because that was also a really fun feature that my brother and I spent oh, the, a lot the of time playing and setting up traps for each other. Yeah, the yeah. underground stuff. But at least that also looks like it got expanded a little with like a baby wild zone. Yeah, like they're, they're like little bits and pieces yeah. there and, and, but most of the games very one to one and that, that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Tons of games do that quite well. There's obviously interest in it. I mean, even here, two thirds of our podcasts are more into Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl than Legends. But for, for Game Freak, I feel like it is a pretty different route they're going, right? Especially if you then contrast it with what you have with Pokemon Legends Arceus, where, which to go back to my silly trailer editing metaphor, you know, this is the one with the sweeping zoom outs and pans of vast vistas full of new ideas and, and whatnot. And like, but ultimately, like, it is, I feel like Legends is what would have been kind of the next logical step for the wild area and for Sword and Shield's engine, right? Like, if you look at the game, it feels like the wild area on steroids to the point where, like, a lot of fans who had issues with the sort of bare bones look of Sword and Shield, relatively speaking, are finding it equally problematic with Legends. Like Kotaku had a whole article about how people are complaining about the trees not looking good enough, which, to be clear, is dumb. But, you know, it's it's very clearly the Sword and Shield engine expanded. 
But even conceptually, like if you're out seeing Pokemon in the wild in the wild area, you know, like it's kind of like fully realized Safari Zone. Of course, how you approach them should matter. Of course, even if you do turn-based battles, they're going to need to look different so you stay immersed in this more real open world. Um, it just it just seems like by shaking up their usual release pattern, Game Freak has given themselves a lot more freedom to go with it for Pokemon Legends and really expand on ideas. Like, you know, the idea of questing for certain Pokemon or introducing a further level of strategy with that agile, strong mechanic where, you know, when you go into battle, you can pick speed over uh, potentially a more powerful attack or vice versa turn by turn. So there's like two layers to your strategy now. It's all, you know... Um, it's all this added flexibility that Game Freak has, I guess you could say, because they broke their usual mold. And yet, if somehow it doesn't work out, you know, putting Diamond Shine Pearl, they could fall back on that in terms of sales and it's going to be fine. So it's just, it's just interesting how they're, this is very much their usual approach. They just literally forked it into two different games. So, so personally, I'm excited, less so for Brilliant Diamond Shine Pearl. I'm more interested in Legends, uh, not just to see where it goes, but where it takes Pokemon in general. Because Game Freak made a point in the presentation that you touched on, Angel, which is these games aren't part of the competitive scene. They, You were talking about Brilliant Diamond Shine Pearl, but Legends as well. Both of them are not part of the scene, which sure, okay, that's fine, but there's no way they're going to start adding regional variants like the Growlithe and, and new evolutions like uh, Besca Legion or however you say it, and you know keep them in a dead end of a spinoff. Like, these are mainline game moves, and I suspect much like how the DS was the third pillar for Nintendo until it suddenly wasn't because it was successful, I'm imagining that Legends, its concepts, its Pokemon, its ideas will be folded into the next mainline games ultimately. Um, obviously, there may be some growing pains. Like, will people be into needing to craft everything all la Breath of the Wild? Like, even Pokeballs need to be crafted? Like, I, I don't know. And, you know, the, there's still a big lingering question of what sort of open world it actually is is and you know what what do what do they want to do versus what the technology allow like like everyone is making the breath of the wild comparisons but the fact that jubilife village is described as kind of the hub and then you set out on your quest from that hub makes me wonder if the region will actually be kind of divided up into sealed off sections kind of like earlier monster hunter games because didn't you start in a town and then you go do a quest you come back to that town like it seems like it's structurally kind of similar yeah, the structure is. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, actually, the whole game is if you think about because the quest concept. Um, I mean, you literally go in and hunt. Yeah, and not only that, but monster, you go back to the same monsters multiple times, right? Like, it's not just like you get the one monster, you move on. There's different challenges involving the same set of monsters, right? Yeah, because this yeah, is the same. It's not this. Whatnot. Unlike a normal Pokedex, where you're just trying to catch one of every. In screenshots they released, and I think in some of the footage, you could see that there are multiple reasons to catch a Pokemon. You catch a male, you catch a female, and you do this, and you do that. So it is very – like I do wonder how much – everyone keeps saying Breath of the Wild, but now I think about it, I do wonder how much this is actually a Pokemon Monster Hunter versus Pokemon Breath of the Wild or some amalgamation of the two. Um, so I think that while you know we, we, we did learn a fair amount about Legends and its new systems in this presents, but there's still like a lot more to learn and uh, – yeah, it just kind of feels like the stepping stone to something big for Pokemon, and I think that's why I'm excited for it. Like, I'm very curious to see where it goes. You know, it, come January, you know, getting a chance to play what will likely be laying the groundwork for Pokemon's future is kind of cool. I've always talked about it on the show. I'm into, like, the world building of Pokemon more than the competitive scene, kind of like the the foil to Angel. Um, but yeah, it's it, I think that's why I'm interested in Legends, but it is really interesting to see Game Freak 
especially releasing them so close together. Basically take what was one concept for most of Pokemon's life, this, you know, remake in the modern engine, and just fork it so so strongly, like so clear-cut, like here's the remake, here's something new. Like it, it, it's interesting. I'm curious how it shakes out for them. But um, yeah, I guess that's pretty much the Pokemon Presents. Um, so I think with that, unless you guys have any other topics, that might do it for this um, episode. We did you have me? any topics? No, Kevin. Yeah. No. Right. I mean, it. we started small. We ended um, a little bit bigger, I guess, at least hypothetically with the future of Pokemon. But uh, yeah, that that does it for the show. We'll be back with a new random Nintendo next weekend, uh, followed of course by a new random Nintendo on September twelfth. Uh, will it finally be where we share impressions of the great Ace Attorney? The saga continues. You'll just have to wait and see. But um, to make, I yeah, I, I feel like I feel like the clock's ticking. There's gonna be other games coming out. This is the window. This is the moment. This is, yeah, this is when it happens. Hopefully, um, but yeah, to see if it actually happens after that buildup, uh, you can follow us and subscribe to us on the internet. Uh, we are on Twitter at Ram Nintendo. We are on podcast apps around the internet. You know, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Pandora, Spotify. Um, our YouTube channel is Nintendo.com. We're on iHeartRadio. We uh, are soon, hopefully, going to be on Amazon Music. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, you can also find us uh, individually on Twitter. I'm JSR7. Angel's W-E-I-R-O underscore O. That is Wero. And uh, Kevin is KVN Gomi. So I guess I think I'm done with all the housekeeping. Kevin, final word. Put Jake Gyllenhaal in the monkey ball.